Hi, everyone. Welcome to Enneagram Plus Yoga Podcast. Kat Smith here. I would like to introduce to you a very special guest we are honored to have with us today, Dr. Beth Capici. Uh, Beth is a psychologist. She's also a good friend, a yogi, uh, Enneagram enthusiast, and she uh, also hosts her own podcast called Never Perfect. And we will talk about that podcast that Christy and I were privileged to be a part of later, uh, later in the show. But to kind of set up a stage for you all so you know what we're talking about today is we're talking about love specifically love languages and how they relate and translate for every single Enneagram number. This will be a very insightful and fun conversation. Thank you for joining us. So Beth, thank you so much for joining us today. And I'm going to go ahead and kick it off with our first question, if you're okay with that. Yes, I'm excited. All right. So you and I met through yoga. I know you're a yoga practitioner. This podcast is about Enneagram and yoga. So I want to talk to you a little bit about yoga. Um, What is your yoga practice? If you maybe have a favorite yoga pose, a favorite yoga teacher, and, um, you know, what do you love about it? Mm. So I have kind of a funny backstory with yoga because I tried it when I was 30 and I thought it was boring (laughs) and I never went back. I went one time and then about 10 years ago, I went and to a class at the sports barn Mm -hmm. And I loved it. It was with Jonathan Ellis. I know oh, you know yeah. No, Love Jonathan. Jonathan. Mm-hmm. I was like, why have I not discovered this sooner? I gave up on it too quickly. Yeah. And actually, that's a funny tie-in. This is where my, how my brain works. I'm already thinking this is why people could start therapy and then never do it again. Yeah. Because they have one sort of not-so-great experience. And yeah. I don't even think it was the instructor. I think I was just young and I wasn't ready. Mm-hmm. And um, so I did get back to it somewhat about 10 years ago, and I loved it, and I did it kind of sporadically. But then I hurt my knee, and I couldn't really walk, run even for a while. I couldn't even walk that much. And so I thought, I have to find some cardio slash exercise that actually works and doesn't hurt my knee. So I actually dropped a pant size in two months when I started yoga. Mm -hmm. And Wow. I did. I got into power yoga because I really needed it to be intense. Yeah. Since I couldn't do all that other stuff anymore, so I and I do. I'm a six a.m.er typically. Yeah, I know that about you, <laughs> which is a special creed right there. Six a.m. yoga practitioners. It is, and I I don't know if my kids were launched and I wasn't working kind of full time. If I would still do six a.m. all the time, mm-hmm. but I feel like you know working moms kind of have to do that sometimes. Yeah. Or do you do yoga at 5.30 p.m.? I mean, yeah. so I um, I love that. I do like, I'm a morning person. Mm-hmm. So I've done mostly power yoga and flow. Mm-hmm. But with my ADHD, and most of the listeners don't know me, so I have attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. And, you know, there are many, many strengths with that and yeah. things about myself I love with that. But then one of my weaknesses, I don't pay really close attention to all the different names of poses or all the even different types of yoga. Like yeah. people say, Oh, you've been doing this really a lot for four years. Like what is vinyasa? What is, you know, Ashtanga? I'm like, I have no idea. 
<laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I am learning, but you know power, what you love. <laughs> I just do what I love. Yeah. And, um, I do, I have started to enjoy the slower yoga, like yin, and mm-hmm. I don't really like hot yoga very much. Mm-hmm. It's too repetitive and too mm-hmm. predictable, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but, um, I really love yoga and I love your eight thirty classes Aww. that I've been to on the weekends. Yeah. I've always been drawn to your personality cat and Thank you. not only your yoga class, but just your style and your energy. Um, so you. I have a lot of yoga instructors that I really love and I don't necessarily have a favorite, but I do tend to prefer the faster classes yeah. a little bit. Yeah. Awesome. That's great. Well, I'm an Enneagram too, and you, Beth, are an Enneagram too, right? Yes. Let the audience um, listeners know that, but uh, I do not prefer 6 a.m. classes. <laughs> I just want to say <laughs> not all Enneagram twos will relate to that, but right. God bless you for waking up at 6 a.m., and I'm sure there's a real gift in starting your day that way. Um, but we're talking about the Enneagram today, yoga, love languages. Uh, so what is your favorite love language um, or your love language? And are there ways that you want to receive love that are different than the ways you give love? Great question. So I know that affirmation or words are is probably one of my biggest um, languages of love, probably the biggest. I grew up with a father who was unusually um, affirming and positive and encouraging. I mean, just kind of off the charts. Wow. And so it's been kind of hilarious because my husband is polar opposite. He's very hard to impress. He's very hard to please. And that is not his language of love. Hmm. So it's been really an interesting adventure to go from like a father that's probably in the 99.5 percentile of like you know, encouraging and positive and really effusive. I mean, it is kind of over the top, but I got used to that. And, and I'll give you a real quick example. Like my, I might make dinner for my parents, make lasagna or something. There's this one story that stands out where they were still talking about it for like a week. Like that was the best lasagna I think we've ever had. And my lasagna is never the same because I don't necessarily <laughs> love to follow the recipe. Yeah, so it can vary. Same. same. <laughs> so, but my husband is the type that if it's good, he'll go, it's good. And if it's not that great, he'll go, that was too salty. Or he, yeah. and I'm reluctant. I'm like, I'm never going to criticize someone who makes dinner for me. Yeah. Right, right, right. So that, that was a funny piece of it. But my parents would be like three days later, that lasagna, we're still talking about that. So I went from that, which is effusive. I mean, that's mm-hmm. over the top. Mm-hmm. And he calls it doing somersaults. So, um, <laughs> but he doesn't like compliments. And he's really just hard to impress. But, and I always laugh that the way he compliments is kind of what I say when I don't like something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like if, if I didn't like the dinner, I go, that was nice, you know. Uh-huh. And if I did like it, I go, oh, my goodness, that was so good. Where'd you get that recipe? And, yeah. but, it, you know, my husband just will go, yeah, that was nice. Short and <laughs> to the point. Yeah, I, it's hard to believe it mm-hmm. because it doesn't translate, which yeah. it's like a different language, a different yeah. culture, which yeah. I know we're going to get into talking yeah. about some of that later. So. And he's an Enneagram 5. He and is. what love language does he need? Has, have you figured that out? I think... He needs quality time, which is different than some of the stuff that we read preparing mm-hmm. for this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he, he doesn't, as I said, like affirmation, definitely touch. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of men, that is one of their top languages of love. But then 
acts of service too, mm-hmm. and which I think they did predict that one for the for the five. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but yeah, and then going to my second one, I think this one's a little bit harder. Um, I know gifts is at the bottom for me. Mm-hmm. I could really care less about gifts. I'd rather buy my own stuff, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's probably become acts of service since I had kids. Mm-hmm. Before I had kids, I wasn't overwhelmed, really, mm-hmm. in that sense. And so I didn't really care. But now I've been just so overwhelmed and kind of in the weeds since yeah. I've had kids yeah. that anybody that takes something off my plate or helps me, I'm like, thank you, thank you. It's like a rescuer, yeah. you know. Yeah. So, um, but, What did you need yeah. before kids? Yeah, so that – I was trying to remember. I was down to either affection in the sense of – when I'm next to someone that I really love, like even in the car, my kids are in the passenger seat. I have a hard time not touching them. Mm-hmm. And last night we went to that movie I was mentioning, and I just ha- kept putting my arm on my 14-year-old's um, leg. Uh-huh. And I just, it's like when they're there, I just like to sort of touch them, you yeah. know? So, yeah. um, and I think I like that from them as well. Um but yeah, acts of service and then talking to people. That was the thing. I knew there was something I was searching for. I surprisingly, even though I'm an extrovert yeah. and I really like being with people a lot and I do get energy off people, I actually really am very independent as well. I like to be alone a lot. Mm-hmm. So I'm torn about the quality time thing, but I do think that's up there. But conversations yeah. mm-hmm. make me feel very connected to people. And mm-hmm. when people listen to me, and I feel like I don't actually get enough of that because yeah. people look at me as a listener. You're the listener yeah. as, as a psychologist. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. And and this is funny, Christy, you as a, a therapist, and even you, Kat, you just give off that vibe. People will just, sometimes it's hilarious, they'll start telling me their life story, and they'll go, I don't know why I'm telling you this life story, like people on the street. Yeah. And I just have to laugh because I'm like, Sometimes I tell them I'm a psychologist, but other times I don't even say anything. But they're like, I don't know why I keep talking to you, you know. Yeah, which is a very Enneagram 2 thing as well because we're very empathetic and people are drawn to that empathy. uh They feel that. They feel Mm -hmm. that. So And I I see that in you for sure. Uh So people would feel very comfortable sharing their life story with you for sure. It makes sense. Mm-hmm. I love it. Well, I'm here to tell you, your energy always is so calming. Like your voice, we tested before we started recording. And I'm like, you sound so good. <laughs> I just want to be near you. There's the vibe, the energy, and, and just very inviting and accepting. Oh, thank you. So I think that has a lot to do with, you know, I'll tell you my life story. Well, I you love know. that you say accepting because that is one of my biggest missions in life is just I want people to feel comfortable in their own skin yeah. and seen and accepted so that that's yeah. a huge compliment to hear yeah. you're you're feeding my affirmation needs there we are <laughs> right. no, I love it well speaking of affirmation so do you use the five love languages in your work as a licensed psychologist and if so how does it help the couples that you work with mm, great question yes I do mm-hmm. I use that. And then I know we're going to talk about the Enneagram soon, but I love to help people open up their eyes to the fact that they're in a relationship. You have to realize your partner has different needs. They have different thoughts. They have different traditions, customs, everything, different ways of doing things. And sometimes with the best of intentions, people give their partner what they need. Yeah. 
instead of realizing their partner doesn't need the same things that mm-hmm. they do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So for someone that doesn't care about gifts, like we're talking, and Kat, you said your husband doesn't like gifts either. Mm-hmm. That, you know, if you do like gifts, you would maybe give your spouse a bunch of gifts mm-hmm. and then not do the acts of service or not do the affirmation. Mm-hmm. And then they feel like, wow, like this person doesn't love me or they don't know me. Like I don't want gifts. And they yeah. keep, and then you're, you know, trying to like, you know, bust your butt to like mm-hmm. find these thoughtful gifts. And then you're thinking, what an ungrateful person. Yeah. Yeah. So that's one of those big disconnects that I think is so unfortunate because your partner really could be trying to love you well, yeah. but they're not really loving you the way that you need to be loved or yeah. want to be loved. Yeah. That's beautiful. You know, we should probably share the five love languages because I'm sure yes. 90% of listeners know them, but mm-hmm. there may be some people listening who don't. So yes. we've got our acts of service. We've got touch. We've got quality time. We've got affirmation. Did I say that already? Uh-huh. No, 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 no. <laughs> and um, we've got touch. Is that all five? Gifts. Gifts and gifts. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. I've yeah. said one twice. So, yeah, so, and and if you guys had to stack them, like if both of you Mm -hmm. had to stack in order, what would your five be, Kat? So, um, Christy and I, we just um, are fresh off an all-day webinar about Enneagram and love languages, and you know, you kind of know about them, but when was the last time you really thought about it? Like, hmm, how do I love how I want to be loved? So, that was a really good um, reason for me to, like, Think about it and talk to my spouse about it. So for me, it is acts of service. Then quality time and gifts were having a really close fight for second place. Mm -hmm. But I'm going with quality time. (laughs) Third is gifts. Fourth is um, words of affirmation. And the last one is touch. Which is surprising because it's so funny. Like in your yoga classes... You are the best at giving touch. Somebody asked me the same thing. I was just talking about it, and the person said, well, in your yoga classes, do you offer hands-on? And I said, yes. And your hands-on adjustments are amazing. Thank you. That's something that, you know, we wanted to highlight as well, is sometimes the way you need to receive love is not necessarily the way you give love. So Mm -hmm. that's interesting. What about for you, Beth? How would you stack your five? I know you talked a little bit about it earlier, but if you put them in order. I think affirmation is probably first, but it could be tied with acts of service at this point. Mm -hmm. Um, And then definitely the, the, talking, listening, good conversations Quality just time. make me feel very connected. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, that's an interesting point, actually. Um, what makes you feel connected versus what makes you feel loved? Mm-hmm. And if that's yeah. even a difference. Yeah. like, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a nugget right yeah. there to ponder. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And actually, speaking of nuggets, I came up with a strange philosophical question years ago that I actually think relates to this very example. I used to say... I think I was like 25 when I came up with this. And it's basically, would you find it more meaningful if your partner or a loved one gave you a massage because you wanted it or needed it, even if they hate doing it? Mm -hmm. Or would it mean more if they love doing it and they massage you because they like to do it? You know, so it's kind of the idea of a sacrifice, Mm -hmm. like meeting their needs you know, if you know that your spouse or, or someone in your life hates cooking mm-hmm. 
and they make dinner for you. First one. All the way. Yeah, for sure. All the, the sacrifice. Way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh-huh. If yeah. you're willing to suffer in the name of love for me, uh-huh. oh, you've got me forever. See, yeah. and that's actually really related to the languages of love, if yeah. you think about it, because you don't really like to be touched that much, yeah. but you're giving your yoga class what yeah. you yeah. what you think they would like yeah. and what your kids or yeah. your husband yeah. might need. Yeah. So. But then again, you think about how that relates to affection and maybe even sexual touch. Sure. It's like sometimes that could hurt mm-hmm. your partner's yeah. feelings when you're like, this is just a favor. Like, I don't enjoy this. Right. But mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. anyway, it, I got off on a tangent, which I'm really good at. But no, no, I think, no. This is great. But the idea of it makes me feel like, wow, you must really love me. If you're doing all these chores for me yeah, yeah. and you're trying yeah. to lighten my load because you yeah. see that I'm overwhelmed or in the weeds, mm-hmm. yeah. that means a lot. Yeah. But then in a sense, that does make me feel very connected because it makes me feel cared for. But the connection of a really great conversation yeah. makes you feel connected in a different way, yeah. if that makes any sense. Yeah, no, it makes total sense. Like if your love language is touch and that's not something your spouse is as comfortable with, but if mm-hmm. they are, you know, going out of their way to touch you or if your love language is affirmation and it's not necessarily in their comfort zone, but they're going out of their way to affirm you. It means a lot, right? Yeah. That brings to mind a couple I worked with years ago who the husband liked affirmation and the wife was just like, this is not my strong point. Mm-hmm. I feel so unnatural doing this. Mm-hmm. And I, I think a lot of people can feel that way with affection. You yeah. know, mm-hmm. Kat, you yeah. mentioned Russian culture. It's not as common to be very... We don't hug. Yeah. You kiss uh-huh. or you shake hands, which I know for Americans, like you yes. like in the lips. Yes. yes, in the lips. Yes. My you husband mm-hmm. found that really odd. He would mm-hmm. meet people and he'd try to give them a little kiss yeah. right near their lips. Yeah. And they would be like trying to turn yeah. their head going, what's yeah. going on Men here? and women. Uh-huh. Very culturally acceptable. Yeah, hugs. Mm. Yeah, like that Italian culture. It's yes. just kissing people mm-hmm. on both yeah. sides of the mouth yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I bet that's been hard during COVID. If that's like the- <laughs> I kind of grew it. I mean, I can take it or leave it. I still kiss my kids, like my husband, well, of course. Yeah. But yeah, uh-huh. no. <laughs> that would be so hilarious. <laughs> it's okay for you since touch was your last one. I you know. Receive, well, right? here's what I'll tell you about this this theory. Here's what I think. I think we all love in terms of feel loved and receive loved in all five languages. Uh-huh. We just have our favorites, yes. yeah. preferences, and the ones that I can kind of take it or leave it. Yes. So like with my spouse, touch is my last one. I still love him touching me. Mm-hmm. I love touching mm-hmm. him. Right. But if I were to pick from massage or vacuum in the floor, vacuum in the floor all day long. <laughs> That's right. hilarious. You know, so I would mm-hmm. say it's never... A chore for me to touch him, kiss him, cuddle, whatever. But yeah, I take the vacuum. That is such a great tie-in to the mm-hmm. enneagram, actually. Right. Because when you think about someone like you, who's a perfectionist, mm-hmm. and someone who's more of a relater, like their their top priority is relationships or adventure mm-hmm. or or helper. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The touchy feely, like a yes. two, they would go, oh, I'd rather you touch me or hold me or talk to me. Yeah. But the one is like, I can't relax until everything's a little yes. bit perfect. Yeah. So I'd yes. rather you clean the house. Yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It mm-hmm. is a good tie-in to the Enneagram. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of the Enneagram, you're an uh, Enneagram 2, a yes. helper. And uh I know that there's a lot of strengths of an Enneagram too, since I am one, and there's also some growing edges. So tell me about 
what you love about being an Enneagram too, and then the parts that, you know, you have to work on as an Enneagram, the parts mm. of yourself you have yes. to work on. So I could go on about this for a very long time. I guess I would say that I truly do love to help people, and I tend to see the world as a whole as, you know, fellow humans, and like in a weird way, everyone's part of my family. Yeah. And so there is this weird piece of me sometimes that has surprised me. Like, obviously, I love to help alleviate suffering. I love for people to know they're not alone. Mm -hmm. But I can be real unrealistic in thinking I can help too many people or I get confused. And this plays into my ADHD as Mm -hmm. well. And I've recently heard some fascinating science behind why a lot of ADHD people are people pleasers. And I used to say that I think ADD can lead to emotional ADD where I just made that up, but it really fits what this expert is finding that you have trouble knowing like what is the top priority versus seeing every need you see is, is on your list instead of Mm -hmm. going, I can't do all that. I have to prioritize and Mm -hmm. be realistic with myself. Mm -hmm. So, um, but I do like that piece of seeing a need or seeing suffering and wanting to help that. I do like that Mm -hmm. aspect, but it can be overwhelming. And I'm sure y'all have heard of caregiver burnout or compassion fatigue. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it can lead to that, especially when you tend to be so focused by what you can see outside of yourself and you're not as good at tuning in to what's going on inside yourself. Yeah. And that is a struggle, I think, for me because of the two and because um, of my ADHD. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of ADHD people aren't as self-aware as they should be, mm-hmm. and they don't tune in to what's inside themselves enough. So mm-hmm. I definitely have fought with codependency, mm-hmm. and a lot of people, I would love to hear how either of you would define it. I think it's kind of difficult to define, but... Um, you know, a lot of people traditionally thought of that as enabling or, mm-hmm. you know, taking responsibility for other people's problems. Um, but sometimes I think of it as overfunctioning and, you know, just trying to fix things that mm-hmm. you can, it's good to care about those things, but you don't have to feel responsible to fix them. Yeah. And I think sometimes I think of it as finding your sense of self in another instead of inside of yourself. Yes. And that's another. But, yeah, there are so many definitions of codependency and overfunctioning and underfunctioning definitely is a big part of it yeah. as well. Yeah. Yeah, learning to say no is a definitely a growing edge. And mm-hmm. I have been working on that, and I'll probably always work on that. But just I, I want to do so many things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But stopping to say, do I really have time for that, or is that really realistic? is something that it's hard. It's sort of like that FOMO of I want to do it all and I can't. Yeah, and I think it's interesting in terms of codependency and the Enneagram. The two and the nine are often thought of as as the most codependent Mm. on the Enneagram. Um, the, The nine wants to merge with others and accommodate, and the two also, you know, wants to please and to help. And so, uh, but I would also add that the seven can be that way. Um, those are my three top types. Those are your three top types. <laughs> Interesting. And that, and the reason is the seven, the two, and the nine are in sort of the positive triad of uh-huh. the Enneagram. And so they want to keep things positive. And in keeping things positive, sometimes they can all fall into that trap of keeping the peace. But definitely the, the two and the nine, um, and then sometimes the seven. 
Wow. Um, so, yeah, yeah, it's, it's interesting. That's so fascinating. Yeah, yeah. Did I answer all aspects yes. of that question? Okay. Yes, you did. Here's my next one. So, you know, Enneagram and love languages and yoga, for that matter, are all pathways for understanding ourselves, mm -hmm. ultimately. In your role as a psychologist, are there other models of growth that you recommend to your clients that maybe you could share with our listeners? Mm. You know, really a lot of philosophies that I would like to share, and I'll try to think if there are other models. I mean, I really just love the overview bird's eye of what you can learn by understanding that we're all different. Mm -hmm. We all have, I, I use this language a lot with clients and on my podcast, which I know we'll probably talk about yeah. at some point. Never perfect. Never it's a perfect. great podcast. <laughs> Thank yes. you. We've yes. been on it and we've listened to it and it's fantastic. It is. Thank you. Never perfect podcast. Here, here. With Beth Capici. With Dr. Oh. Beth. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. Thank yep, you yep, for yep. plugging it. Yeah. You know, just that philosophy of we all are, you know, coming to life with different strengths, different weaknesses. I call it a package deal. Yeah. And I like to talk about developing a user's guide to ourselves. And these like languages of love and, you know, the Enneagram. And of course, a lot of people like the Myers-Briggs yeah. or the mm -hmm. 16 types. Sometimes yep. it's mm -hmm. called. Mm -hmm. There's also a fun one called the Big Factor 5 Personality Test, mm -hmm. which is really interesting. I'm kind of new to learning about that, but it's apparently the most empirically researched test out there. Oh, wow. And they believe that there are five major personality traits that are you're really just kind of born with mm -hmm. and apparently they're researching a sixth and I haven't heard it in the last year um if they've kind of resolved it because some theorists were going I think humility should be the sixth and then I can't remember the other one um, but there's so many like free tests you can take on like truity, like you yep. can take mm -hmm. a shorter version of the mm -hmm. Enneagram yep. or the Myers-Briggs mm -hmm. or the big factor five but, um, you know, I think that the basic philosophy is we all have this customized package of strengths and weaknesses. Mm -hmm. And if we see ourselves and know ourselves and take pride and, and feel appreciative for the package that we get, whether that be our intelligence, yeah. mm -hmm. our personality, our languages of love, but we all have different philosophies on life and really good priorities that are just different. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, you might be married, like Kat. I don't. Mm -hmm. I don't remember Christy. What your husband's enneagram? Oh, he's the three. He's uh -huh. an achiever. Okay. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. So when you think through the enneagram, for instance, like you really value doing things right yeah. and doing things well as a yeah. one, yeah. and your husband wants to adventure yeah. and explore and. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a lot of value in enjoying life. I mean, sevens can probably stop and smell the roses better than ones sometimes. Right, mm -hmm. 100%. And and there's a lot of value. And I, we get into these fights about, oh, my way's better than yours, and yeah. I look down on your priorities. But it's like, I mean, really in the end of life, are you going to say, what was more important, that I did things really well? That's amazing. Yeah. Or that I adventured and smelled the roses? That's yeah. amazing, too. Like, yeah. who's yeah. to say which one They're not yeah. mutually exclusive. Right. So I think in life, that's kind of 
one of the biggest things I want people to learn is like, you are the way you are for a reason and take pride in who you are Mm -hmm. and be thankful for that. And like, take it out in the world and show people like, I like who I am. And if you like who you are, then people are going to like respond to that. Yeah. And, um, so just kind of like saying, Hey, yeah, these are my, my weak points. I mean, I love my ADHD way more than I hate it. You know, Mm -hmm. there are definitely a lot of deficiencies with it, but there are way more strengths. And um, so I think that so many of the marital conflicts and just relationship conflicts, roommates, family, doesn't matter what Mm -hmm. type of relationship could be so, so much alleviated if people could just say, let me understand and respect your viewpoint and understand where you're coming from. Yeah. And then just kind of say, okay, like. You were just looking at it from a different angle. Mm -hmm. You had different priorities. Yes. And I want you to understand and respect mine. Yeah. And, you know, just kind of that philosophical. I know I wrote some things down that I showed you all, but, um, you know, we're all from different worlds and cultures, really, in a sense. Yeah. And what is your, you know, philosophy on life Mm -hmm. and what matters most to you and respect those differences, Mm -hmm. but don't make it about who's better or worse. Yeah. Right. Which is what the Enneagram and the love languages have in common, right? Mm -hmm. They're both saying, you know, this is a pathway to understanding yourself and understanding others, understanding your partner. And that that is why they're so beneficial. Mm -hmm. Right. And a lot of times we have resistance to these quizzes Mm -hmm. because we resist knowing ourselves and understanding others yes. like we want the polarization or we want the conflict but there's no joy in life in that right mm-hmm. and there's you know not going to be a sustainable partnership in mm-hmm. that so we have to be willing to kind of open ourselves up I think to these these tests but um, a lot of people resist them so yeah um, yeah I think a lot of people feel that they're going to be put in a box or labeled yeah And that is one thing I absolutely love about the Enneagram is it really focuses on the strong points and the weak points. And, and like, you know, you all know all this terminology better than I do, but the shadow side and the wing, it's really not as one dimensional as people think it is. And I like to look at how many things I was over a 50% similar to. Like I was very high on the seven Mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. And then the nine was my third. But um, I think it's, you know, just good information and people don't have to feel like, oh, this is going to be like my label for the rest of my life. It's just this is some insight into what I'm passionate about. Sure. And the way my mind works. Yep. For sure. Yeah. There are so many layers to the Enneagram, your your wings, your air of stress, your air of health, your subtypes. And and I think it's just like a pathway of of continuing to grow and and keep diving in deeper to it. So I would encourage people to hang in there. You feel like, what is this? It's so crazy. There's so many dimensions to it. And Mm -hmm. that's true. But you just take one dimension at a time and you keep learning about yourself. And that's why we're here, I think, or at least part of why we're here on this earth is to Mm -hmm. learn about ourselves and others, right? Yes. And that aspect of seeing yourself in a figurative sense, Mm -hmm. like one of the best things we could ever do for ourselves is really see who am I, you know? Yeah. And then when you're in a relationship with someone to actually see and understand who are you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then I just think life would be so much better if we're all kind of at peace and viewed it differently. Mm -hmm. I agree. I could hang out with y'all all day long. Like psychology is so interesting to me. I could listen all day, every day just to you speak. This is awesome. 
you need to go back to school and like officially get your degree because I think you're kind of halfway there. I think there's Shoot. a little psychologist in her. I've uh-huh. told her that before uh-huh. for sure. Um, so any thoughts, we were just kind of talking about this, but do you have any thoughts on why people resist opportunities for growth like the Enneagram, like therapy, like the love languages or yoga? Um, I was telling Kat that often people will book a session with me and then they won't show up mm-hmm. to their first session because mm-hmm. they're just not ready for change. Mm-hmm. Um, so why do you think people resist the mm. very medicine they need? That's such a great question. I probably have about 50 theories. Um, try to think of what be some of the top few. You know, I think maybe a big piece of it is just some deep-seated insecurity, and whether that be that they didn't get their, their bucket filled as children, where mm-hmm. they have this sense of feeling unwanted or just not loving who they are, not knowing who they are, mm-hmm. and definitely some faulty thinking. You know, mm-hmm. in therapy, we do a lot of cognitive work with people and, like, what are you telling yourself and what are you assuming, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And I try to – I made up this technique called multiple choice thinking where you look at things from multiple angles instead of just one. Mm-hmm. And so, for instance, if someone says, if I come in and talk about how toxic my parents are – that means I'm blaming them for everything. Or that means I, I should feel guilty because that's disloyal. Mm-hmm. And, you know, okay, that's one way to look at it. But what if you say, well, you're just stating facts. You're trying to share your story. Mm-hmm. You're trying to make sense of your background or your life. And your goal is not to come in and badmouth. Why would you want to just come badmouth your parents to a therapist that can't tell anyone anyway? It's not going to yeah. hurt your parents. Yeah. yeah. But um, so I think that people, you know, are scared, you know, sometimes that they'll never stop crying or that it will be so painful and uncomfortable. Um, I had this new like 20 year old client came in about a month ago and she's hilarious. She has a, she's a very colorful personality. And about five minutes in, she goes, hello, stranger, let me tell you all my secrets. <laughs> and it was so funny because she just, out of the blue, she just had this thought, is this how, this is how this feels? Yeah. And um, so that can be a piece for people. Like, yeah. it's part of the beauty of therapy yeah. too. Yeah. But it is so weird to yeah. like share your intimate, darkest, deepest, most personable, vulnerable information with someone you've never met. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we don't want to be seen. We don't, I mean, it's like the very thing we want, we don't want. Right. And that's part of why I think people don't show up in the yoga classes. It's scary. It's vulnerable. It's all of those things. That's true. Yeah. And with yoga, I could see that, um, you know, so many fit, healthy people and people think, oh, I'm overweight or I'm not very flexible or Mm -hmm. I'm old. And I've had friends Mm -hmm. I've tried to talk into going and they'll make all these, you know, excuses or reasons and... Um, but I've heard that yoga can help your self-esteem more than therapy. Yeah. And I yeah. do think there's a beauty in seeing we're all different shapes and sizes. And I love the philosophy of you, Kat, and all the different instructors who are like, just do what's comfortable for you. Yeah. Make it accessible. Mm-hmm. Have an exit strategy always. Mm-hmm. And enjoy it. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's not meant to be a punishment. It's not meant to be something to endure uh, or something to suffer through. But to be with yourself, to have our 75 minutes with yourself, to breathe and to move Mm -hmm. or Mm -hmm. to rest, Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Yeah. Anybody. The philosophy behind that I love so much because it's like if you have an injury, don't do this. Or if you want to push yourself harder. And you all oftentimes give people all these variations. Like if you want to make it harder, do this. If you want to make it easier, do this. Yes. If you want to be in, you know, the resting pose or, you know, happy baby or anything at any time, just do what works for you and see where your body is today. Right. Yeah. And a yoga is this place to find this balance between effort and ease. And when we can learn that on our mats Ooh. and learn how to rest and learn how to move, then we can find more of that balance off of our mats. Yeah. Right. And, yeah. uh, you know, and I think, mm. I think, you know, in therapy, we're trying to learn that as well. You know, this balance between work and play. Exactly. And so it, doesn't, it doesn't matter whether you start with therapy or start with yoga, but I think one pathway leads to another Right. Oh, I love that. The effort and ease, that balance. And it really does remind me of therapy because so many people have fears, whether it's social anxiety or, you know, just putting themselves out there in any way. Imposter syndrome, which a lot of people have. Mm -hmm. And if you think about that is where is that balance between pushing yourself in a really good way? Like don't underestimate yourself and don't live your life in a self-protective fear-based way. Mm -hmm. But you also have to like you have to push yourself sometimes and sometimes you have to know when it's you're pushing yourself too fast sure. and it mm-hmm. wouldn't be healthy. Mm-hmm. So that's such a neat parallel with yoga mm-hmm. poses versus like life challenges. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When to push and when to rest. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I agree. Mm-hmm. Well, here's what I say. How about we shift gears a little bit and get into the meat and potatoes of this year thing, uh, Enneagram and love languages. Mm-hmm. So for our listeners, um, it's not an exact science. I don't think you can say all the ones would love acts of service as their love language or exactly. all the twos would love physical touch as their number one. It is so multifaceted and different for every single person. Yet, for the next little bit, uh, Christy, Beth, and myself will go over the Enneagram numbers. And we sort of have, we'll muse Mm -hmm. on what we think would (laughs) agree um, with every number in terms of love languages. And maybe even talk a little bit about our own experiences and maybe... Our spouses yet again. So and 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 um the point of this is for our listeners just to kind of think about, okay, what number am I? What is my love language? How do I want to be loved? How I want to offer love? Mm-hmm. Uh, where have I stumbled before? And maybe I can reconsider and look through a different lens mm-hmm. and it would make more sense. Mm-hmm. So how about we just get going with it? Yeah. So we kind of assigned the numbers. Uh, we all have three or four each, so we can kick it off with number one. Yeah, you go All for right. it. So number one is our perfection and reformer. And for those of you who've listened to our episodes before, I'm an Enneagram one. So I would say acts of service is my is my preferred love mm-hmm. language. But you know what I will tell you is acts of service for different numbers would be different. Mm-hmm. For I think ones would appreciate, at least I think I would appreciate, if somebody would take care of details on something. Mm-hmm. 
uh, if somebody will take responsibility of my shoulders, because mm-hmm. ones feel overly responsible mm-hmm. all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, if somebody would help us organize things, mm-hmm. you know, instead of mm-hmm. us having to do it. And um, ones love us um, a checklist. So take the things off our checklist, mm. literally mark them off, get yeah. them done. Yeah. So I think as far as the love language for a one, that would that makes sense. sort of be, be a nice thing to have. Mm-hmm. does make a lot of sense. What about you as a two? What, what would you suspect that you need and the other twos might need? Well, so I did a little reading mm-hmm. with some of the articles that y'all had had sent me and definitely touch and affirmation were mm-hmm. listed. And, you know, when you think about how the two wants to be loved and the priorities of a two, according to the Enneagram, are, well, they are generous, demonstrative, people-pleasing, and possessive. Mm -hmm. So when you think about people-pleasing and being demonstrative, that they would be more affectionate and then they might I like to use the word egocentric, like we view the world from our own perspective. So we think if they love me, they will touch me, Mm -hmm. which can be wrong because they, like if they're like cat, they might go, no, I don't like to be touched. Why would I touch her? You know? Um, But that reassurance, like I love you, you're pleasing me. And then also with the compliments or affirmation, it's um, proof that you are pleasing them. So Mm -hmm. it's kind of reassuring. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. And my, and my love language, just to go along with what uh-huh. you said, as a two is touch. Uh-huh. So, but, you know, but we, when we did the seminar on the love languages yeah. uh, with Jerry Wagner, it was surprising how many twos, that was not their love language. Nope. And so um, it can, but for all, I think for all of us in our group, and there were like 14 twos, acts of service was the bottom, Yep, which was really interesting because that's how we often give love right. as twos, but we don't want to receive it that way. We, so we have that need for touch and other things for many. It was gift giving. Um, it was, it was actually just everything but acts of service for our group. That's so, so interesting. Yeah, it is interesting. It, it is. Yeah. I wonder if that's because it's sort of like that's my role in life is I'm the helper. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so I want to be in that role. I don't want yeah. people to help me. Like yeah. I've got it covered. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. That's yeah. Interesting. I think there's a little bit of that pride and ego showing up there. Yeah. 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 Huh. It is interesting. All right. So for the three, um, my husband is a three, an achiever on the Enneagram, and um, hands down, all day, every day, affirmation mm. is going to float his boat. And if you think about why that would be true for a lot of Enneagram threes, the fear of failure, mm. the fear of not being enough is yeah. really big. Like they want to succeed, they want to prove their worth and their value. And so if you can do that by affirming them, that means a whole lot. Now, I've read wow. articles that have said acts of service mm-hmm. would be big for three because they need kind of that load taken off of them because they're always doing. I mean, they, mm. they are the biggest doers, the biggest workaholics. Um, but I would say that a lot of threes need that affirmation. And um, wow. that's. That's definitely true for my husband. You have some thoughts. I can I see do. your wheels I know. turning. <laughs> well, I have a new working theory that I want to see how it plays out as we finish the rest of the types. Mm-hmm. So I was just thinking about how reassurance, like 
Now, in your case, Kat, like it's maybe what calms you. Right. Someone takes things off your to-do right. list. What calms a two maybe is to feel appreciated or loved or liked or something like that. Right. That's why hugging or affirmation. Mm-hmm. And then for a three, what soothes you or gives mm-hmm. you reassurance is you are enough. I'm impressed with you. Yeah. You're achieving. Yes. You're doing a great yes. job. So I'm just kind of curious if when you think about a way to look at it is like your language of love might be what calms you down. Right. Or what reassures you with your yeah. deepest insecurity yeah, or what you think your purpose is. Yeah, yeah. that's very good. Yes. That's nice. Let's I, see if it keeps fitting. Yeah. Well, let's, let's look. So number four, four is our individualist. So I'm just going to muse it. And I've said it before, fours are my unicorn Enneagram number. They're <laughs> my enigma. I am drawn to that to them. And perhaps I have the most to learn about four. So Hmm. here's what I think. Four would love either quality time or touch. Mm -hmm. So when we took the webinar, uh, Christy and I, touch was the only one that the four selected, but it was a very small pool of statistical data. So I'm going to say that. But what I would imagine is... Why would, uh, for like a quality time, because I think they would love somebody to share in their creativity. Mm. They would love to um, sort of somebody receive their self-expression and find beauty of things together. So I think they would appreciate somebody joining them Mm -hmm. in what they drawn to and loving. Mm -hmm. Deep existential questions feelings they just want to be with somebody and explore all these things exactly art and creativity Mm -hmm. exactly so I think that and also as far as the touch I think you know when I think of a four I do think of a touchy-feely and it's a beautiful thing Mm -hmm. and like it was foreign to me we were talking prior to this so touch is my last um love language and preference but i do like it Mm -hmm. i don't mind it at all but we were talking about i'm not a hugger Mm -hmm. and yet i did specifically pulled up statistical data Mm -hmm. that it takes four hugs a day to survive eight hugs to maintain 12 to grow wow and i think for a four 12 to survive a day i think they would just appreciate Mm -hmm. the touch the hug the hand holding and we want to be i want to be specific that it's not just a sexual touch so relationships of friendship of relationship with your children relationship with your extended family regardless holding a hand embracing somebody and i think we do live and it's just for every number in a world that you know, there's an expression, um, starvation for touch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, we are starved Especially for with COVID. somebody yeah. to touch us, to I hug see. us, to hold the hand, to pet us on the shoulder, mm-hmm. any kind of touch. So I think for all the numbers, it'd be great. But I think fours would really love it. I, I agree. agree. Yeah. No. <laughs> well, one thing that makes me feel sad about people in general is I think sometimes people were so deprived of a certain, you know, type of either affirmation or touch, or it could be anything gifts that they deeply want it, but they're so uncomfortable with it. Right. And so I wonder with the languages of love, how much of it is innate and you're just born preferring that or how much of it is like for you, Kat, like you weren't used to a lot of touch. Maybe you would have liked it better if you had been in a culture where touching Mm -hmm. and cuddling was more common. But I have known people that 
I, you know, friends. I even remember one roommate that just I could tell she had a deep longing for physical touch, but her family wasn't touchy, and she would be so awkward. And like when people hugged her, it was like she didn't. Mm-hmm. She got anxious. Mm-hmm. So, and I think that there are a lot of wounded people that have trouble with affirmation because yeah. they either don't believe it, they didn't get it as a child, they don't trust it. Yeah. So just like a distrust or an unfamiliarity that makes yeah. it hard. And certain Enneagram types have trouble with, with compliments, the six especially, mm-hmm. and also the eight, and they both have issues with trust. Uh-huh. And so trouble being let vulnerable. Me, let me see, is that compliment really real? Is that, you know, they're yeah. going to question it. Yes. They're not sure that they trust it. Yeah. I've even had people that don't trust like acts of service. One woman that was in a very, oh, very narcissistic relationship with a, a husband that was just very abusive and not so much physically, but in most other ways. And he never wanted to help. He never wanted to do anything in the house. And then when she got a boyfriend after her marriage ended, she he would help in the kitchen or something. And she would just be like, this is so uncomfortable. Like, I don't think he really wants to do this. Mm-hmm. And it was so uncomfortable receiving that. Yeah. But anyway, okay, I'm sorry. I got us off no, track. No, you're great. Oh, I Let's love go it. to five. Okay. That's, that's a territory you know well. Yes. <laughs> so my husband is definitely a five, which surprised me at first. But then when I read the description, I was like, oh, my goodness, this is totally right on. Um, so some of the stuff I read said that acts of service – Um, is really the most important thing and that they actually need independence, which is kind of interesting when you think about how that would relate with quality time. Mm -hmm. But um, saying that actions speak louder than words. Um, So, And I do think that my husband loves acts of service for sure. Um, I think, I don't know that, I think it would be in his top two probably. Mm -hmm. I don't really know for sure what he would say. Probably physical touch or quality time would actually be Mm-hmm. His, but um, and again, that goes back to the fact that there are some general tendencies, mm-hmm. but there mm-hmm. can be exceptions with everyone mm-hmm. as far as their type. But um, you know, when you look at the fives being very logical and you know maybe nonverbal or you know struggling with stress about the outside world and needing time to sort through their thoughts and feelings, mm-hmm. um, you know they might need to not have as much um, stuff to do in the house or something mm-hmm. because they're deep investigating, like mm-hmm. the leader investigator. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, You know what I think about quality time and fives? I think that quality time could look very different for every number. And mm-hmm. I think for a five, mm. they tend to withdraw. They tend to get depleted in social settings. But if a partner of a five will give the five opportunity to be alone, mm-hmm. that could be considered quality time. Mm-hmm. Or if the partner of That's the five would spend time just be together in silence because fives love silence. Mm. That could be considered a quality time. So quality time for a seven Mm -hmm. would look very different Mm -hmm. than a quality time for a five, Mm -hmm. but it's still Mm -hmm. quality time. Mm -hmm. That's true. And I wonder how many fives 
would really love for someone to sit and listen to all this stuff they're yes. learning and all the research they're yeah. doing. Yes. Their talk style is dissertation. Yes. Yeah, they want somebody to hear that dissertation. Yes. And that could yeah. be hard because for someone that doesn't like to spend hours and hours analyzing, you could get tired of going mm-hmm. really deep into mm-hmm. all that. And they're like, I just want someone to understand the world I'm in mm-hmm. and yep. what I'm discovering. Mm-hmm. And not everyone can go down that path for hours and hours. Yeah. That could be what the quality time looked like. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's very interesting. Um, okay. So for sixes, I was not sure about the six. Let me just say this. I think sixes, what they mostly need is to feel safe and secure. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I would think, any of the love languages, except for maybe gifts, would make them feel safe and secure. Yeah. So I would go with touch might make um, somebody who's a six feel safe and secure. Quality time and just being together mm-hmm. with the one they love might make them feel more grounded because mm-hmm. they have so much anxiety. Acts of service, um, just having a clean space may make them feel very mm-hmm. safe and secure. Yeah. You know, so it, it would, mm-hmm. I could see really any of those. I can't see the gifts as much, but even affirmation. Now, I would say, like I said earlier about affirmation, they have to maybe trust that person mm-hmm. in order for that to be like their love language. Mm-hmm. Um, but in a partnership, I could see a six really feeling like this makes me feel safe to hear my husband say I'm beautiful, yeah. right? Like, yeah. so I would say I would put the gift giving last, but any of the other four, it just would depend on the six. Yeah, so that's I my, agree. You know, suspicion. I, yeah. I don't know. They would definitely need a lot of the reassurance and the calming. Yes. Yes, wanting to feel grounded and safe. And mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. So I agree. I agree. Seven, you know a lot seven, about seven. So I know a lot about seven. <laughs> so after we, we spent a whole day at the webinar, of course, the first thing I did, um, I tested my husband. I was like, okay. Have, let's see what we got. And um, I was mentioning this to, to the ladies before. So my top two love languages were his bottom two, and he, his top two were my bottom two. So speaking about a mismatch, it's a wonder we're making it work. But I think for a seven, and not just my husband, words of affirmation would, would play a big role. Mm-hmm. And again, Words of affirmation as far as just being positive and finding something to be excited about, but also daydreaming together. Mm. Sevens love themselves. What a great idea. Ideas and daydream. Mm -hmm. For me, last thing I want to do, unless it's actual and we can actually put it in realistic terms, it's a waste of time, yet not for a seven. So just sit there and... Talk, have a conversation Imagine about what if. Yes. <laughs> yes. That would, that would make, I think, a seven feel very loved. Yeah. Uh-huh. So as far as the quality time, I think not just being together, but being playful together, mm. being adventurous together, being mm. spontaneous together would make a seven feel very mm-hmm. loved. I love that. Yes, and that has to be really hard for a one and a seven. Oh, my gosh. Because on the weekends, you think, okay, how can we get everything perfect yes, and, ma'am. like, zipped up? And yep. he's like, how can we explore an adventure and have fun? Yes. Those are, like, so inconsistent. Mm-hmm. 
And then the seven loved gifts, it would have to be like a trip to Cancun yes. or something, right? Hang gliding. Yes. Exactly. And it was Kevin's last, and I was floored by it. I was like, you could have saved me so much time, anxiety, and money. And he could get you an extra personal organizer for your present. Right. And he's like, yeah, I can I take it, it or leave it. That was my last one. So, yeah, I'm saving big on Christmas this year. That's for sure. <laughs> you know, in case I forget to say this later, I think that when you look at the languages of love and the Enneagram, the idea of telling whoever you love in whatever type of relationship, I'm with you, I see you, and what matters to you matters to me. Yes. Yes. That's kind of like what it's all about. And that's so hard when, you know, if your husband told you, Kat, like, honey, what would make you feel really organized and at peace at home and yeah. where you can relax because yes. you always have a running ongoing, yes. never ending to do list. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and that he's like, that's the last thing I could overlook the messes. Let's just go mm-hmm. have some fun yes. and make memories. Yes. Um, but for him to say that would just mean the world to you. Mm-hmm. Like what matters mm-hmm. to because you, you get me, you get, yes, you, you get see me. me. Yes. yes. And, and I want you to be happy. Mm-hmm. And then for you to say, honey, I'm going to ignore the fact that there's a bunch of things in the house that I would love to do. What would be really fun and adventurous for us to do this weekend? And he would be like, oh, my goodness, let's go, like, renew our vows right now. (laughs) Yeah. We we just had that conversation, and we're going to have a little bit of time this weekend. And he said, we can just go out in the woods and, like, sit there together in – what do you sleep when you go camp in the – camping bags and have someone of and I was crumbling on the inside like oh my gosh what sleeping bag ground situation happening but yeah it's like yeah that sounds so awesome you know like love your person how they want to be loved oh that's hilarious I could only imagine all right we're gonna look at the eight on the Enneagram next and it's your turn All right. (laughs) So the eights, because they're so protective and independent and they like to protect other people and maybe even stand up for them, um, they really don't feel the need to have that done for themselves. They can kind of handle themselves or fend for themselves. So they like the physical touch and it really calms them. And I think one of my kids might be that way. And I've noticed she can get very emotionally, um, worked up and just kind of intense, intense. Mm -hmm. And I would sometimes just very slowly approach her and hug her. And I'd be like, this could go really great or really terribly. And it's funny. It really grounds her, disarm her and ground her. My oldest Mm -hmm. is the same way. And my husband was just saying that she was so intense and he's like, and I just came in and I just hugged her and I just physically felt the grounded her. Wow. That's innate. Mm -hmm. You know what's so neat about that? That just popped into my head, of course, is some of the adults that are prickly like that. They really do have a very soft side but when they get backed into a corner or they feel threatened whether it's rational or not they yeah. get so scary and yes. so prickly yes you don't want to approach them 110 right. and then you can't reassure them mm-hmm. but with my daughter i can remember thinking she's very dysregulated right now mm-hmm. and and she could explode yeah but 
it was crazy to me how I really cannot think of a time it didn't work. Yeah. And I would approach her slower than normal. Yeah. Because normally when mm-hmm. I hug them, I kind of go mm-hmm. in pretty fast. <laughs> but I would do it slowly because there was a little part of me that's like, I hope she doesn't like explode here. Yeah. But she would just, her whole, you could feel her body relax. Wow. Same. Same. With my oldest, same. So listeners, you need to remember that if you have someone prickly in your life, whether it is a teenager or a child or a partner and an equal, just like calmly maybe touch them or hug them. As long as they trust you and you're a safe person to them, I I can see that working. And then an eight becomes more of a teddy bear. Sometimes they're called Mm. the bear, but they become more of a teddy bear when they become more like the two. That's their Mm. era of health. Ah. And, you know, of course, mm-hmm. a lot of the twos are touchy-feely, right? Yeah. So to get that hug, mm-hmm. to get that embrace, mm-hmm. that's going to help them bring out that inner teddy bear. So I think you're on the mark for that one. So mm-hmm. interesting. Their yeah. bark is worse than their bite. But right. Mm-hmm. just know there's a vulnerability behind that yes. tough yes. exterior. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's a little softy on the inside mm-hmm. with our eights. They've mm-hmm. got to find it, and we've got to find it. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, so our nines, our easygoing nines, I would suspect just because they love comfort, they love to snuggle up on the couch with a, you know, a a blanket and a hot cup of tea, I could see them loving quality time, just Mm. sitting and watching a movie Mm -hmm. with their spouse. I could see a number nine also loving touch, to Mm -hmm. cuddle, to Mm -hmm. to kind of be there right on the couch getting all cozy so I'm not sure if that's right, but I would suspect that that's what a lot of nines yeah. would be. Either touch would be what they how they need to receive mm-hmm. love or that quality time mm-hmm. would be it. Any, I agree. any thoughts that you guys have on that? I agree. I think it's, you know, think what is peaceful, mm-hmm. what is accommodating, what is comfortable and mm-hmm. comforting. Mm-hmm. It's being together and maybe sitting next to each other, holding hands, mm-hmm. cuddling. And maybe acts of service, like bringing them a snack or a coffee or a tea or something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They might love that, too. I agree. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I agree. Well, we we finished our nine. We've done it. We've done it. So here's, I'm a big fan of laughter and acting goofy and making fun of myself and things like that. So, Beth, to finish up. One last question. Can you share with us and our listeners any kind of life experiences or stories, maybe personal, maybe not, that you have encountered in relation to love languages and or Enneagram that, you know, you could share with us? Yes. So I'm torn between a story where I wasn't, you know, maybe meeting my husband's needs well enough or where he wasn't meeting mine because I just laughed so hard when you mentioned your husband wanting to go camping. Yeah. And the inward cringing of like, this sounds like torture. Like how much would I have to pay him to get out of this? <laughs> Just the things of giving your partner what they need. And it, and that back to that point of sacrifice, like, yeah. and, and, you know, there's a fine line there too. Like, when do you protect yourself and say, honey, like that's not restorative for me at all. Yeah. And, you know, and, and do you just try to be honest and say, sweetie, I will do this for you. You know, I don't love camping or I don't know which aspects of it, but, um, it did bring me back to my husband bought this 50 year old boat Mm. about 10 years ago. And he likes to, you know, work on cars and boats and it was a cool vintage boat, but if we did not take good care of it, (laughs) I'll say we, even though I'm, I'm, anyway, that's being very nice. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> so we would go out in that boat, and it broke down about half the times we went. I mean, oh. we had to get towed multiple times. One time we had my parents in the boat, and they were both about 70. And we had to get towed with, like, you know, all the kids. And But also it would, like, scrape the driveway going out of the driveway because we live in a historic neighborhood, yeah. and it has a really weird driveway. So the boat rudder would, like scrape and I, I would just my anxiety like if I had had access to like Xanax or some kind of anti-anxiety Valium yeah. I would have probably taken it every time he said let's go out in that boat because um, it stressed me out so bad but he loves it and he he loved it yeah we eventually had to give the boat away because it was just not doing very well but um, even just the ADD side of me packing things like that overwhelm me so much I'm yeah. like what do we pack like all the stuff you have to bring with new camp mm-hmm. or go on a boat to yep. me it just really overwhelms me. And yep. so I'm like, this is not fun. This is work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I won't go into it as long, but on the other end, like I, well, I probably didn't love him well in the sense of being all, Oh yes. And I'm, it's hard to fake it. Yeah. I mm-hmm. mean, I would be inwardly like, going into anxiety panic mode when he said, let's go out on the boat. <laughs> They're trying to be like, he loves this, so I'm going to, and I would go, but he could tell I was yeah. never excited. Yeah. And then I always want to go like antiquing or, you know, to a thrift store and collect things. And he's more of a minimalist. So his anxiety probably goes through the roof, mm-hmm. but it has hurt my feelings before many times where I'm like, if you knew how much joy this brought me, you would you would support this. Yeah. And so it would really make me feel in a strange way. Like if he really knew me or really loved me, he would do this. Mm-hmm. And he would probably think that about the boat. Like, mm-hmm. you know, but I, I like to tell people to just join the club, like good luck finding a partner who loves everything you love. Yep. Who does things the way you do them. Impossible. Whether that be go to bed yeah, at the same time, sure. exercise at the right time, eat at the same time. Like, does the same type of exercise. So many people are disappointed in their partner in those ways. And I'm like, yeah, we'll join the club. We all are to some degree. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and and I think a healthy marriage is that negotiation. My husband loves drum shops. Like he's a drummer. (laughs) And so every trip we go on, he wants to stop by the drum (laughs) shop. And you know what? I do it because it brings him so much joy. Like being in a drum shop, that is so boring to me. (laughs) He is like a kid in a candy store when he is at the drum shop and so I've learned that I have to negotiate he is really great at at doing what I want to do and I need to actually be better at doing what he wants to Uh do but that's one example of how I'm trying and there's many ways I need to to like do even more because I would say in our relationship he is more accommodating Uh and and will do what I want to do nine times out of ten but I'm working on that with doing that for him. But I know that that's one example of how I sacrifice for him because it just brings him joy. That's sweet. And that could make it fun if you could really focus on their reaction and say, you know, I enjoy this because I see the look on their face, even though it's torture for me. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it can be. And it's okay to be honest about that, that it's like not our favorite thing. Yeah. And yet it brings them a lot of joy. And, you know, so it's negotiation yeah. is a hallmark of a healthy marriage is just learning to listen to our partner's needs. And that's why we do the Enneagram. That's why we do the love languages. Mm-hmm. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I absolutely agree. 
Beth, it has been such a pleasure to have you. And before we uh, finish, could you please talk a little bit about your podcast? We're huge fans. Mm -hmm. It is phenomenal. But um, maybe some of our listeners don't know about it. So we will have all that information on our website. But can you talk a little bit about it? Yes. So it is basically a mental health podcast called Never Perfect. Mm -hmm. And there is a subtitle with an ADHD psychologist, which I've debated about whether to keep in or not because it's not that I specialize in ADHD and that's all I do it's more because I have ADHD yeah and just driving home the point like you know it, I'm never gonna do everything perfectly and no one is and no one is really supposed to mm-hmm. and so a lot of it is really just to help people kind of like I was saying earlier see themselves understand themselves accept themselves and their uniqueness and their package of strengths and weaknesses. And, you know, with, you know, topics like anxiety, depression, social anxiety, body positivity, healthy communication, healthy relationships, addiction, um, you know, even just the value of telling your story, stuff about journaling. Um, And I'm probably a little too broad and I don't, I'm one of those people I don't really like to specialize, but I also grieve that I can't do that. This is part of my enthusiast Mm -hmm. probably Mm -hmm. is I kind of wish that I could specialize in 10 things and see a variety all at the same time. And that's obviously (laughs) not possible, but my podcast is very broad right now. And I, I may eventually try to streamline it or have series on like marriage or series on um, teens and development. Mm -hmm. But in general, it's, I hope just free mental health help. And I'm hoping that people will be able to hear a lot of just personal stories and even professional experts. Like when Mm -hmm. you came, Mm -hmm. we had a really nice podcast together called understanding your uniqueness using the Enneagram or something like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Which is, I, I loved that. And, um, So, but yeah, I mean, that's basically the gist of it is just how to think and how to navigate your way through life, knowing like, this is what I'm designed to do. This is who I am Mm -hmm. and how that can help our relationships and our, oh, I forgot there's a career podcast. Um, Just about, you know, I, it, it just breaks my heart when people think they're not smart or they think they're not gifted or so many young adults can are so stressed about their careers and they're so overwhelmed and just to really say, you know, it's you're going to figure it out. You have so much to offer the world. You have so much to offer people. Mm-hmm. And if you can just get a more realistic view of yourself and see yourself, then your whole life will be healthier mm-hmm. and all your relationships will be healthier and you'll have more peace. So that's kind of <laughs> what I'm going for <laughs> in my podcast. It is incredible. We're mm-hmm. huge fans. You're doing wonderful work. Oh, thank you. And just personally in love with you. You're oh. such a lovely human. Thank you. So wise, so funny, so loving, so interesting. And we cannot thank you enough for your generosity today to share all of that, not just with us, but with our listeners. Well said. Amen to all of that. <laughs> thank you so well, much. I love you guys, and I appreciate the camaraderie and just love what you're doing as well and it's neat to team up and support each other so thank you for inviting me to be here i always love talking to you guys thank Thank you you thank you for being here let's start with our hands on our thighs palms facing down breathing in through our nose 
exhale out through our mouth. Just continue to breathe, finding that life force within you of the breath. And as you breathe, I just want to say that the love languages are such a gift to all of us because we need to be reminded that the ways that we receive love in our own lives are different than maybe the way that our partner or friend or family member needs to experience love. And we need to be mindful of that in order to have healthy, strong relationships with the people who matter most to us. So let's bring prayer hands to our forehead now and take a breath in and find a breath out and just ask that we would be mindful to spend quality time with the people we love. For that gift of being together is a treasure. And then bring your prayer hands to your lips. Take a deep breath in through the nose. Exhale out through the mouth. And take a moment to acknowledge that affirmation is something we all need. We all need to be told we are loved, we are beautiful, that we matter. And so set an intention to affirm the people in your life who all need to hear kind words. And then give yourself a hug, bringing hands to opposite shoulders. Maybe the chin comes to the chest. Take a deep breath in through the nose. Exhale out through the mouth. And just reminding yourself that touch is powerful. Sometimes we need to give ourselves a hug. But sometimes other people in our lives need that touch. Whether that's a hug, holding hands, a pat on the back. There is such a gift in touch. Maybe setting an intention of somebody that you need to give that gift of touch to in your own life. And then we're going to all move our hands to our heart. So one hand touching your heart and the other hand, maybe on the hand touching your heart, deep breath in. Exhale, letting something go. And just being aware that giving a gift to somebody from the heart, or we've thought about what they might like, what might be meaningful to them, can mean so much. A tangible gift can mean a lot to others. So who might we give that gift to? Whether we give them an actual gift or whether we write them a note and that is the gift who in our life needs that tangible gift maybe setting an intention to reach out to somebody and offer them a gift and then bring your hands where they're facing up towards the sky just wherever that's comfortable to place the hands up towards the sky take a deep breath in Exhale, let go. Just taking a moment to contemplate how acts of service can be such a gift when somebody offers that to us, but it's also important to give that to others. And who in our lives needs an act of service? 
whether that's helping them clean the dishes, vacuum the floor, whatever it is, and how can we be intentional to offer that to a partner, to a friend, to a loved one? Maybe thinking of somebody in particular that you would like to serve and to offer that gift of service to. And then just bringing prayer hands back to your heart and just know that the light in me sees and honors the beautiful bright light in each one of you. May we be intentional to recognize our own needs and communicate to others how we need love. And may we also strive to offer love to others in a multiplicity of ways. Namaste, friends.